Hello, hello, and welcome to The Impact Code, where we take deep dives into the stories and journeys of impact and the lives of our guests. Today's guest is Wesley Brewer. Wesley works with UT Extension in Marion County, Tennessee. He's an educator, a musician, a husband, and he's also a father to be. Wesley started the first ever countywide musical in Marion County, which brought kids from all different schools together in a really impactful and meaningful way to sort of unite this Marion County community. And the musical is going to be occurring again this year. I love Wesley. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's passionate about making an impact, especially in the lives of youth through music, through the arts in Marion County, Tennessee. Really cool guy and can't wait to share this conversation with you. Before we do, I want to take one brief minute and talk to you about Tower Community Bank. Tower brings you today's episode completely free of charge. And Tower does this because we care about making our communities better places to live, work, and raise a family. And we feel like this podcast is actually a great platform for us to be able to make meaningful impact in more communities around Tennessee, around the surrounding states, and around the country, and even the world. What better way for us to do that than by sharing and elevating the stories of people just like you who are making a difference in their communities, in their counties, in their cities, in their states, in their countries. It's a powerful way for us to lean into our mission and to share that mission with more people. Tower pays for everything about this podcast and makes it possible. So Tower pays for the hosting, for the marketing, for all of the equipment. Anything about this podcast is brought to you completely free by Tower Community Bank. If you listen to today's episode and you really enjoy it, a great way to support this show and help us continue doing it is by going to towercommunitybank.com and checking out Tower. If you see anything you like there, sign up. Check out Tower Community Bank today. And now, without further ado, my conversation with Wesley Brewer. Wesley, welcome to the Impact Code. Hey, Brent. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. We, we've worked a while to coordinate this thing, so it's fun to see it finally coming to fruition. Yeah, I'm, I'm tickled to be here, and thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, let's start. I'd actually like to just start with the musical that you're working on. Let's talk a little bit about what is the musical, and then from there, I want to talk about why it's so special. So this year we're doing the Adams family. All right. Um, and it was not my choice, but I have a, I have a group of loyal students that have been with me uh, really since their elementary school days. Uh, and they've begged and begged and begged and they've, they've done everything that I've asked them to. And so I don't have a reason to tell them no this year. They're seniors and they begged for it. And so and it, it's pretty timely right now with Netflix and Wednesday and all that momentum that the Adams family is yeah. getting. It was it's just, it was right just the perfect storm. So we're going to go for it. Cool. All right. So we're doing the Adams family. This is in the Sequatchie Valley. I think, you know, we're going to cover all that in the intro, but just for people who may not know Sequatchie Valley, middle Tennessee, sort of Southeast of Nashville. Um, can you talk about why this is such a special thing for this area? And then we're going to kind of lift out from there, but I think that's a great place to start is talking about why is this musical so meaningful um, in the Sequatchie Valley? So one of the biggest things that I've fought for in my journey in education and a lot of people in, you know, small rural Tennessee um, 
fight for is equal opportunity for their students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that across the state that some of these larger consolidated schools are being able to offer more CTE, arts-based education um, than just your rural high schools are, are able to, whether it's because of staffing or whether it's because of funding. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's both. And so as a music educator, um, I was a music, ed- music educator for 11 years in the school system. I taught elementary music education and high school uh, theater arts. And one of my struggles was that I was I was offering my students this opportunity, but there were students five miles down the road either way that didn't have this opportunity that were that were dying for it. Right. Uh, we come from a very sports driven community mm-hmm. and I love sports. I'm in the stands every Friday night that I can be to cheer right. on the football team. But not every kid is a sports kid. Mm-hmm. And so to have those outlets provided for our students, um, it was just really important for me to have those opportunities extended um, for those students that may not otherwise have an outlet. Right. Yeah. And, and so you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that you have a lot of schools in a very small area. So like you said, could be five miles apart, literally that are different schools and the opportunity or the access to the arts in these schools was not always equal. You are very high caliber. Um, even from our few conversations that we've had a very high caliber arts teacher, um, especially to be in a rural community like this. And so there wasn't, um, really a way to sort of spread that out prior to doing this musical beforehand. Is that correct? Correct. So the way that it actually all began, um, my primary position was an elementary K through four music teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was approached by our um, director of schools, my second year teaching. And he, he asked if I would be interested in doing some kind of contract to give up my planning period, uh, which teachers know that's like precious, <laughs> sacred, <laughs> time. sacred like, time. It's yeah. time to like take a breath, get a cup of coffee, you make some copies. But uh, if I would be willing to give up my planning period to travel to the high school, which was literally 200 yards from the elementary school, um, to offer additional fine arts credits. Mm-hmm. And so that started in the beginning as just offering uh, music history, history of recording industry um, and things like that. And then it, it went into vocal music, into choral. But then we saw this need that students were really wanting to experience musical theater. Mm-hmm. And the school was very fortunate to have a theater teacher, but the theater teacher was the English teacher that was literally being voluntold that they had to teach theater (laughs) as one of their credits. And that's great. She's fantastic. She's one of my best friends and we are colleagues and co-directors. But you know, it's it's one of those situations where you're told what you're going to do and you're like, okay, let's, let's hit the brakes for a minute. Let's go Mm -hmm. to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. And so she and I sat down and it was in 2000, I believe 15, uh, well, 2014 is when we sat down and I was like, what if we just, what if we put on a musical? And she was like, we have no business doing a, a two and a half hour production. And I was like, I do these elementary school ones. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do it. Yeah. And so uh, in 2015, we had our first school musical okay. uh, and we did nine to five, which we yeah. thought was pretty cool. Timely great show. Uh, Dolly yeah. Parton. Everybody loves Dolly Parton. Yep. And so uh, we did that. And then for the next couple of years, we did the school thing. And then, with my new position with UT Extension, we saw the opportunity to not only still provide for our students, but reach out to those across the county and, and really open that opportunity up to a bigger audience. 
Mm, that's that's really powerful. So you were able to then take that same impact that you were having in one school and transition that and open it up to kids across multiple schools. Yes. So now we're really excited. Uh, last year was our first year being able to open that up countywide. Um, and that's through the support of UT Extension and, and the American Community School System. Mm-hmm. But last year out of our, we have three county high schools and then we have a small public private um, school that's also, we consider it a county school also. And uh, out of the four high schools, we had, we had three schools represented, represented with about 30 students involved. Um, and then this year, the same three schools are represented, but we had um, over double the amount of auditions and interest initially that we had wow. from year one. So we're really excited to see the growth. We're really excited to see the momentum and, and just the passion that's out there that's now getting recognized. Yeah, I think that is so cool. So let, let's talk about this transition uh, that you made from sort of the public education system into the UT extension um, what drove that transition for you and how did you make your decisions? So I was a 4-H'er growing up and, you know, four, you were a 4-H'er also. 10-year 4-H'er, yeah. So 4-H is an incredible program and a lot of people don't really realize what 4-H has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone assumes that 4-H is just an agricultural program yep. that's offered to students. Mm-hmm. But, and it is that, and that's so important. We need that now more than ever. Mm-hmm. But 4-H is so much more than that. It dates all the way back to, you know, the Smith-Lever Act in 1914, which established the Cooperative Extension Program with the land-grant universities, which were created by Abraham Lincoln. And so once that rural cooperative was was established, then, you know, you have your agricultural and natural resources, which is adult servicing. You have your family and consumer sciences, which is also adult focused programming. Mm-hmm. But then you have your 4-H youth development, which is the world's largest youth development organization. We're, we're present in all 50 states. Wow. And um, so going back, I was a member of that and I was passionate about it. But growing up, the only programming I received was agricultural. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was more to it. And so as I became an educator in the schools and I saw 4-H bringing more to the table, I was like, I would love to be involved with this. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully, with legislation that was passed by uh, Governor Lee and some of our other state officials, uh, the, the University of Tennessee was able to put more agents in the counties to help service underserved areas. And yeah. so now, because of my position being created, I, I saw that it was coming available. And I was like, I've got to jump on this. Like I just, it was, it was a God thing. And I knew that I needed to be in the middle of that. And so I was talked to my wife and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to apply. And if something comes of it, it's meant to be. And if not, it's fine. I love teaching music education where I'm at, Mm -hmm. but I saw it as an avenue to be able to reach more students that I just wasn't able to do in my current setting. Um, Mm -hmm. As a specials teacher, it's sometimes really hard because we're not tested and right. unfortunately, in the education system, testing, it does drive everything. It does. And so um, it's the beauty of extension is if it's meaningful to kids and kids can learn from the experience, let's do it. Yeah. And it's it's been great ever, ever since I've stepped into this now almost two years. Man, that's that's so cool. You, you know this, but my wife was a music teacher as well. And she was a music teacher for several years and it was really tough on her. 
because she always felt like it took the things that kids were supposed to enjoy about music and it tried to put them into a really rigid container. Um, And that's really difficult because on one hand, school is academic and it should be. There's things that the, the sciences that need to be tested, that need to be taught in a very stringent manner so that kids can receive a level of education that they need to succeed in the world. But then there's also things like the arts um, that are inherently not as rigid. And some of the beauty of the arts is the exploration is the embodiment is the sort of somatic piece of it is the learning to feel. uh, And you lose some of that when it becomes too rigid. And that was really hard for her to sort of try to fit all that is the arts into this little container. Is that something that you felt too when you were in teaching? A hundred percent. You know, the arts are supposed to be creative expressions and fluid. Mm -hmm. And you can't be fluid when you're given parameters that you have to stay within. Right. And while we aren't tested and while I know your wife felt the same way, but we weren't taking seriously Mm -hmm. in the schools Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you get evaluated, they don't look at the music scores or the, you know, the establishment of the arts or physical mm-hmm. education or any of that for any matter. Mm-hmm. It's it's ELA and math and science and right. those those tested subjects. And so it was it is really hard. And yeah. one of the biggest struggles that I had internally is that I, I had seen firsthand how music could change students lives. Yeah. But we also had educators that were in the the ELA classrooms and in the math classrooms that, that knew that music also assisted their learning process. Right. You know, they, they teach math facts by singing songs they do, right. and, and they teach, you know, literary components by using musical components to accompany it. So it's like, why, why is it not important? Cause you're using it. You're so that it. was a big, yeah. that was a big struggle in itself, but then also just seeing students that they wanted to get their creative outlet in the classroom, but we couldn't because there's just, there's so much we have to teach. There is. Yeah. Did you go into it knowing that? Like, yeah. Cause I think for Courtney, maybe she knew it, but then experiencing it was a different thing. I think so. I went into it knowing that that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in school, I was a band. I was in band, and right. then I then I left uh, when I went to college. I actually was a recording industry management major at Middle really? Tennessee State, and so that's what my bachelor's is in. And so I knew that that there was always this overarching view of, you know, music's just fun. The arts mm-hmm. are just fun. This is what really matters. But I went into it. I've always went into things thinking, well, I can change that. Whether I can or not, yeah, I, I, feel I know that. there's a glimmer of, of hope that yeah. I can either change it or maybe I can inspire someone else yeah. that can find out how to change it if I couldn't. Yeah. I think it's that's the really want pa- to. Yeah. I carry that same mindset into a lot of things. And I think it's, it's led me to a lot of good things in life. And it's also led me to a lot of hard realizations that, you know, there are some things that are a lot more difficult to change and that sometimes it's the system, right? Sometimes the system that's right. set up is built a certain way and changing that takes a lot more than one person. It takes a lot more than one voice. And that can be really humbling sometimes for sure. 
Very much so. So I don't know if you knew this about me, but I went to Anderson University in Indiana, Anderson, Indiana, and I was a music business major and I focused on, yeah, I focused on recording. So I was on the music side. um, And so I had a vocal performance minor and I did all the performances. So I did, you know, we were required to do opera, musical, um, that stuff per year. And yeah, it was a great experience for me and I absolutely loved it. I don't use it as much as I wish I could now. So this is the closest thing. The podcasting is the closest thing to using my audio engineering knowledge that I've gotten. And so it's been a really fun outlet for me, but I had no idea that you also sort of had that interest in the music industry. How did you end up teaching from there? So I did my bachelor's. So at Middle Tennessee State, you have to pick a direction, whether it's the audio engineering or the actual business side. And so Mm -hmm. I chose the business side because I I, I just love being business minded. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love marketing. I love trying to like reach the people. And so I I got my bachelor's in that and I worked at Sony ATV Music Publishing in Nashville for a couple of years. And um, I loved my job. I loved the people that I worked with, but I wasn't getting a creative outlet. Like I wasn't being able to quantify the fruits of my labor. Mm. And that's something I've always needed to see, like what I did mattered. Yeah. And I couldn't really find that sitting behind a deck, a desk, punching numbers. Right. And so I was like, I I just really need something more out of this. Like Mm -hmm. I I love the steps and I wouldn't trade it because I, I am able to use some of the knowledge in, in organizing events and helping get those events out to the public in the best way possible. But I just, I needed more. And so I was like, I think I'm going to maybe try education. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I fought it Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Uh, And funny enough, I actually ran into my first grade teacher at a music festival in Chattanooga at the Riverbend Festival. And she came up and gave me a hug and she was like, I was actually just going to call you. She was like, your music teacher which um, Patricia Pope, she was fantastic. She yeah. taught for like 50, years, but Miss Pope was finally <laughs> retiring. And um, my, my first grade teacher was like, I really think you should think about applying. Mm. And I was like, I don't have a degree for that. And she was like, well, I have the paperwork for you. Tennessee is now doing a transitional teaching program. Wow. And so I um, investigated that transitional program. And basically what that was, was it was a way for, people with subject matter knowledge to teach those subject-based courses while attaining their master's in education. Okay. So Very it was cool. almost like a teaching internship while acquiring your license and your degree at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so it was like I mentioned with extension, it was one of those things like I prayed about cause I was going to have to like up and leave Nashville. Yeah. Like I wasn't just changing jobs and professions. I was, I was moving cities mm-hmm. and, um, it was one of those things that it really just all the pieces aligned and the stars aligned and I took a leap and I, I loved every minute of it. I really did. And so that's, that's kind of how I made the shift from music business to like music education. That is so fascinating. Were there things that you sort of looked at as you were evaluating that decision that helped you know it was the right one? <sighs> there were. It's, it, I don't know that I can put a finger on it though. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those overarching like gut feelings that I knew I knew I needed more out of what I was doing in the day to day, but I didn't know what I really needed. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Like I, I knew, I knew what I needed, but I didn't know how to get there. And then when this yeah. was presented to me, cause I'd always, education's always been a passion of mine in college. I did a lot of things with the boys and girls groups uh, in Murfreesboro. And so I loved working with kids. And so when this kind of fell in my lap, I was like, maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is a good thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I did do a lot of evaluations. I think I made a million notepads of like pros and cons. Sure. Like, do I stay yeah. in Nashville? Do I move back to Jasper? Yeah. You know, the pros of this job, the cons of this job. And yeah. ultimately it was just like a rip the bandaid kind of moment. And mm. I made, I made the choice and never looked back. I love that. And I do think sometimes we just, we know, you know, I don't know what that is, it, whether it's, you know, you alluded to God earlier, whether it's divine you know, some sort of divine knowing, or sometimes I think we just get a nudge in the right direction. But I know in my life, I'm really thankful for those times that I, I really didn't know, like, like you said, I can't put a finger on why I made the decision that I made. I just felt like it was a step in the right direction. And I never could have ended up where I am now had I not taken that one step that I really had no clue whether it was going to be in the right direction or not. I just felt like it could be. And that doesn't mean that I haven't like fallen and totally made the wrong step. We all have. Right. But, you know, some, sometimes when you make those jerk decisions, you know, sometimes that they, they turn out for the best. And, th- and this one did. When you were in that first year of teaching, were there, were there moments that you were like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I mean, I can remember, you know, your first kid that, you know, get sick in your classroom or you're, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I, no. I went from dealing with people my own age. And then yeah. I'm like, I just cleaned up, throw up and chased a kid through the hallway. <laughs> I don't know what I've done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so there were some moments like that, you know, and looking back on it, it's funny. Like all of my past teachers were like, you need to keep a book and make a note of all these times. Yeah. You know, and, and there's plenty of stories, but there, I mean, there definitely were times where I thought, what have I done? But then I had to like regroup Mm-hmm. hit the brakes again and be like, okay, this is the reason I did this. Yeah. These are just growing pains and steps along that process and just trust the process. And I think that's such wise advice. I had an executive coach that I worked with for a while. And one of the things he always told me before I made any decisions, he'd be like, write down why you did it. He's like, because in three to six months, you're going to be like, what in the world am I doing here? And he's like, you can go back and you can remember, oh, that's why I made this decision. And that still is true. And, and so then even when the things sort of feel like really unstable, you have at least that solid frame of reference to go back to and be like, okay, I'm not insane. This is just a really tough transition. And this is why I did it. So I think you intuitively grabbed onto that. Um, and it sounds like it was really helpful through that first year. It, it was nice just knowing all right, there was a reason for this. Yeah. So just trust it, you know? Exactly. Well, what was the moment when you're like, this was the right decision? Honestly, I think the first the first production that we did was really that realization of like was this nine to five or a different production? So no, this was the elementary school. So okay. I actually taught just solely elementary the first two years, and then after that second year is when I started imp- were going in and supplementing uh, okay. into the high schools. Okay, we actually didn't do a production until two thousand. Fifteen. Okay, and so I um, I started teaching in two thousand eleven. Okay, and so, so was this was actually a, a, a young fourth grade program. Yeah, and um, it was one of those things too. When I started the position, being in music business and being kind of 
progressively minded. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went into this position. I go into the classroom and God love her. She had not thrown anything away from the last 30 years. <laughs> and like the sound system that she was, that she was teaching with was a cassette deck Ooh. and a powered amp and two speakers. <laughs> and there were four corded mics that you could actually see like the wiring through the rubber oh, no. seal. And so I was like, okay, this is not going to work. <laughs> so then I go, I go to yeah. our bookkeeper and I'm like, I've got to buy some stuff. And she was like, well, honey, you get $300 a year. Oh so my gosh. you've got to figure this out. Ooh. And so I was like, we got a problem. So, yeah. you know, we just kind of <laughs> thought I met with some parents and I, I approached my principal actually. And I was like, okay, I'm new to this teaching game. I don't know anything about PTO fundraisers. I don't know anything about pushing candy bars, but I do know a little (laughs) bit about music. I was like, how about we put on a concert? Yeah. And they were like, you've lost your mind. We don't have money to take risks like that. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 no. I promise. Like, let's put on a concert. And so they finally, after about the third or fourth meeting, he was like, okay, you're broke. You need money. Let's do it. But if you if you lose money, this one's on you. Like mm-hmm. your evaluation is going to show this. I was like, yeah. okay, we won't. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> and so I went out to local businesses and local banks and organizations, and um, we were able to use a local with well, the Princess Theater where we have our productions. Yeah, uh, it had just been newly remodeled, and so um, it has a plug and play sound system. So that really helped us out production standpoint. Yeah, yeah. and and cost ways. Yeah, cost efficiency. Yeah, and so we we brought in a. Um, country artist that had some had some success back in the early 2000s and um we sold tickets and we were able to from that production we raised about six thousand dollars wow and so we were able to buy a new sound system license our first musical and from that we did we did annie or a junior version of annie yeah and then so seeing those kids on stage and then knowing that i had a team behind me that was supportive that, that took a leap on a wild idea yeah. that I had that paid off. And then by that paying off, we were able to give that back to those kids. Mm-hmm. That was the aha moment of like, okay, I, I can deal with this other things to see this in product. So that, that was my aha moment of like, I've, I've done the right thing. That's so cool. So my first production you'll, you'll laugh at this was a Christmas carol and it was in fifth grade. And so every year our fifth grade did a little musical number and, um, I mean, it was a pretty decent show. Um, and it was like an hour and a half long. So it was pretty, pretty long for like fifth graders. And I remember my, um, my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Beach, he tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, Hey, he's like, I really think you should take the lead role. And he's like, would you think about it? And I was like, I don't know. I've never done anything like that before. I always loved music though, since I was a kid, like since I was so young, I loved music. And so I was like, I think I'll do it. And so I learned all these lines and I'm little Ebenezer Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. If you can picture that, I've got like the silver hair and half the show is in my uh, PJs and they're like baggy on me. Um, (laughs) But I just remember what that production did for me as, as a person and the confidence that it gave me to like, to hear all the feedback, like not that the performance is never about the feedback, right? No. It's, it's about the process. And like, I remember looking at, there was something like 130 or 140 lines, which in fifth grade is a lot of lines. 
And I was looking at that and I was like, there's no way I can do this. What if I forget my lines? What if, you know, what if I go blank in front of everyone and they laugh at me and then to get through that experience and to make it and to get all the lines and to like, and to see my parents out there smiling and my grandparents out there smiling, like there was something that changed in me as a result of just that fifth grade experience. And from then on, I was like, I was hooked on musicals, on choir, on any type of performing um, just because of the process that you're, you're doing something incredibly difficult. And then to see yourself transform as you're doing it and learning things and stepping out of your comfort zone is such a gratifying experience. And it's changed the entire course of my life. And I'm sure that those kids in that fourth grade production of Annie Jr. feel the same way, um, at least a few of them, that it was a, it was a game changer for them. The, the beauty of my position has been with, with our musicals kind of morphing into a, a high school setting, starting in elementary. So a lot of those kids have, were able to do like Annie junior. I had a group of kids that were in Annie junior, but then their senior year, they got to do the high school musical. And so it was like to get ah, to see those kids so cool. progress. But like you said, seeing the growth is great for me. Like I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But when the kids, the students see the growth within themselves, yeah, that's, that, that's the money. And one of my favorite things, and we tell our students this on day one is you may, it's day one. You may not know anyone in this room, but by the end of this process, you'll be family. That's right. And they're like, Oh no, they go to a different school. He plays football and she plays volleyball and I don't do anything. And, and really they, they are family. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, that's worth more than anything a textbook could ever give a kid. Yeah. Um, we talk about life skills. That, I mean, that's the ultimate life skill there is is to be able to not only work, but truly connect from the core with each other uh, and do something for better. Yeah. I think it's so cool, too, that the work that you're doing now um, with the productions like you're doing now with the Adams family, that it's across it's kids that may not ever otherwise interact with each other. It's kids that may not otherwise outside of this experience have a chance to really connect with each other. And then, like you said, by the end of that experience, there's this weird bond that happens with people that you perform with. And I know you've experienced this too. There's something, I don't know if you'd call it spiritual about performing together, but there's something about performing together that like, regardless of how you feel about that person beforehand, you're connected to them and you feel like you share this experience of creating something beautiful and meaningful. And it, bonds you. So to have that in areas where it wouldn't normally exist is such a powerful thing. It is. I I hate to stereotype, but you know, we see all these movies, you know, and there's the lunchroom scene where there's the jocks sitting over here and the cheerleaders (laughs) sitting over here and the band kids sitting over here. But like, whether that's a stereotype or not, it's real life. Like that really happens. Mm -hmm. And to see all of those walls torn down, it's just a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And th- there are power in numbers. Let's just be honest. There's power yeah. in numbers. Yeah. And when those kids stop looking through rose colored glasses and they start seeing each other for what they really are, and they're all working together towards a common goal, it's just wild. And they're unstoppable. They really are. Yeah. What they've done has proven that they're unstoppable. Yeah. Did you know when you were 
So when you first started with UT Extension, you have this idea for this musical that involves all the schools in the area. Did you have any idea that it would have the impact that it has? No, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was scared. Okay. So going, going into my interview, that was, I mean, I wanted to be really upfront that yes, I am so supportive of our agricultural programming. Um, it, it is one of the greatest assets to the 4-H program, mm-hmm. but that's not my specialty. Um, I, I know, I know a lot about it and I can help out where needed, but that's just not, that's just not my wheelhouse. And, uh, you know, the arts have always been my wheelhouse and whether it's performing arts, culinary arts, there's so many aspects to the arts. But I, I told them in that interview, I said, my, my end game, my end goal is to be able to offer these students through 4-H what the school system just simply can't, mm-hmm. or maybe what the school system simply doesn't mm-hmm. for one reason or another. And so they were all on board with that. And so again, it was like another rip the bandaid. I went to, uh, I mentioned earlier, one of my colleagues, um, Jennifer Carden, who's the English teacher at the high school, who was the one that was voluntold she was going to do theater arts. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm leaving. Yeah. And this is what we're going to do. She was like, no, we can't lose the shows. I'm like, we're not going to lose the shows. The shows are going to grow. Yeah. And so again, we sat down with our notepad and talked about pros and cons. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily cons that were going to keep us from doing it. They were cons that we had to, to see as, like speed bumps that we had to work around. Mm. And so one of the biggest issues that we were seeing that we were going to face was just the, I mean, I hate to say it, but the rivalry and the just dissonance that's been created by sports in our community. Mm -hmm. And we have certain schools that just people assume that they don't like each other because they're, they're rivalries. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, we're going to work around that. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And everyone that helps was like, I don't know about this. And I said, no, just, just trust me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, so last year was our first production getting to incorporate schools countywide. We did Oklahoma and we did it. And I, I'm being honest, not, not just because I want it to sound great. Like there was zero drama mm-hmm. and these kids, the kids that had been in the productions from Marion County high school, all these years, they were nervous too about bringing others in the mix. Yeah. You know, we've got a good thing. We don't want to mess it up. And I'm like, no, we're just going to make a good thing. Great. Yeah. And they came in and it's just, it, it literally was, it was picture perfect. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate to be like cliche like that, but it really was a picture perfect year. We had no issues, no drama. And to see, to see those kids prove something that the community thought was not possible was just like icing on the cake. Yeah. It was just great. I mean, that's, that's what leaders do. Right. And I think you're, you're a great leader in that community, whether it's, you know, by, by, uh, by title, by whatever you're, you're a strong leader in that community because you saw something that wasn't there and you had the intuition and then also the follow through to complete it. And I think those are the types of people who, can make real change in the world. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show today was just you, the fact that you not only did something that was a big risk in the community, that you did it 
believing that there was a power beyond just the, the musical itself, that it could do something to unite communities, that it could do something to introduce people to other people that they may not have otherwise known. And what a powerful way to really make a difference. I, I, I think it's just so unique the way that you're taking the arts and doing something that I haven't seen done anywhere else. It's, it's really cool, Wesley. Well, thanks, man. It, it, it means a lot to me. This, this program is, is my passion. And, and of course we have, you know, we offer so much more in extension, but, but the performing arts is really just, I've always had a passion for it growing up and I just, I love seeing it thrive and I just hope it continues to. It's really cool too, to see your progression of sort of your career and how this has all sort of like, cause you are using part of your music business degree, right? You're using that with promotion of this. You're using that with uh, organization, with getting the word out there with the marketing, like all of those things from the degree have now sort of come full circle and you're able to use those, but then you're also using this teaching experience that without that, I imagine it would be really difficult to do the work that you're doing, maybe even impossible. It's so cool to see that thread, like all the way through your entire career. It It is. It's, I, I kind of call extension the perfect storm for myself <laughs> because yeah. it, it really has, I've been able to use my recording industry experience. I've been able to use my teaching experience you know, I've been able to use just customer service skills that I got at JCPenney in high school. You know, right. I mean, I'm not in high school, yeah. but in college, yeah. you know, like it, I've been able to utilize all of those skill sets. Um, but just the beauty of extension. And I mean, I can't say enough great things about UT extension that they have faith in their agents and they have they support their agents when they have these harebrained ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just beautiful to see them succeed because we know when extension programming succeeds it's not it's not us as agents it's not it's not extension it's the students that are reaping the benefits Mm. i think that's really profound so is this a common thing as far as the musicals go with 4-h because we didn't have any sort of arts or musical component to our 4-h is that something that is common in other states and maybe just not in indiana where i grew up so I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not familiar being kind of new to extension. I'm not really familiar with a lot of other states 4-H programming. Sure. I know 4-H is in all 50 states mm-hmm. um, through the cooperative uh, extension. Sure. But I know in Tennessee, there are um, a couple of other counties that do some performing arts programming. Um, 4-H has a number of project areas that students can focus in Mm -hmm. where they can do portfolio work, which will earn them scholarships and college recognition and things like that. Uh, And performing arts is one of those Uh, leading up until recent years, believe it or not, performing arts has actually been lumped in with recreation. So it's been performing arts and recreation. Okay. And one of the great things that that they've been doing in the past couple of years and I've kind of been involved with a little bit with the state 4H office is we're realigning those project guidelines that you know performing arts is it's really its own thing it it recreation it is. is great and performing arts are great but they don't belong together mm-hmm. and so they've been realigning those project outcomes in order to better serve the students and so I, I don't know that it's a a regular thing, but there are great organizations. Like I know Georgia, they have a performing arts group called Clovers and company. And so it's, it's where students write songs, they sing songs, they perform in organizations. Um, There's a, there's a few country artists I know that have been involved with that out of Nashville. And, um, and so 
the Tennessee has a performing arts troupe that I know has, has been around for a number of years. Um, and they perform at their annual events like the Tennessee State Fair and um, Tennessee 4-H Congress. But as far as a as a whole, I don't know that performing arts really is is done that much in 4-H across the country or as much as I would love to see it at least. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I didn't know if that was something that sort of had started with you potentially, or if it was sort of a unique idea that maybe you're sort of pioneering. Just, I hadn't seen it, frankly, anywhere else. No, it, 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 that's, that's one of the things, you know, I didn't know that all these project areas existed in 4-H. Performing arts has always been there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know it because it wasn't offered in our county. Okay. Uh, and so going through college and, and, and going through the teaching process of seeing 4-H being offered and kind of doing my own homework in it, to know that that was a, a possibility made me even more want to do it because I knew it was a possibility that hadn't been offered before. Yeah. So it was another one of those like dangling the carrots and like, yeah. how can I help yeah. You know, make that happen. So uh, I'm really excited about it. And I know there are a, there are a lot of students and a lot of agents that are really passionate about it. And a lot just don't know that they just don't know how to start. Yeah. Um, one great thing this year, um, we're in the process of planning a um, first ever a statewide 4-H performing arts camp. Oh, wow. Um, for Tennessee. Yeah. And so we're hoping to get that up and rolling very soon. And um, ho- hopefully that's going to be something that will help propel students to to choose that project work and have that camp as an end goal to not only help them complete their project area, but also give them skills and confidence to where they can pursue this this area outside of high school, you yeah. know? Yeah, man, that's really cool. Well, let me know when that is coming to fruition and when you have like applications or information available. I'll be sure to share that on our social channels. That'd be um, great. I think that's a great idea. So you are in full prep mode now, I imagine for Adam's family. How are you doing, man? That's it's a quite the undertaking. We're, we're doing pretty well. This one is, this one's different. Yeah. Um, this one, this one's got a lot of moving pieces, you know, yeah. and anytime you take a story that's very well known, you know, you you have to be sure that there's enough familiarity in it, but there's also staying true to the musical. Yeah, because um, musicals yeah. are sometimes different storylines than what people expect to yeah. know. Yeah, and so um, getting the kids out of that mindset has been one thing. We've we've passed that obstacle. We're good. good. So now we're in full swing. We had full music rehearsal yesterday, and um, we're just we're just chomping at the bit um, for the second week of March. We get to start loading in the set. Oh, so. Fun. That one, that one's going to be fun. The, the kids are very involved in making the set and it really is just a labor of love from the whole crew. And, uh, we're just, we're just excited. The kids are really excited and they've got me excited because they're excited. So, man, that's great. I love that. What, what does a typical week of rehearsal schedules look like for you all? Since this is, it's, it's not necessarily a school activity, but it, it sort of is through the extension office in 4-H. Like, what does that look like for you on a given week? So most schools in a school setting, when you can have rehearsals during either a block schedule or a, mm-hmm. or a you know, a, a period schedule, you know, they'll, they'll rehearse eight to 10 weeks mm-hmm. and it's pretty much like clockwork. You got eight weeks, you have the show for either a weekend run or two weekend run, yep. tear it down, start over. Yep. And, but we don't have that luxury because we're an after school program. So our rehearsal schedule is a little bit longer. We, uh, we do auditions back in November. 
Yeah. And then we uh, we start rehearsals the very first week of January and we start with with low intensity. Mm-hmm. We'll start with a couple days a week. We'll start with read throughs, run through the music. Uh, and then as we get closer to production time, we increase our frequency mm-hmm. and we increase the length. And so um, we start three a week next week. Mm-hmm. So we've been two days a week uh, since January. Yeah. And then next week we'll start three days a week. And then once the kids return from spring break, um, that last six weeks we're, we're four days a week. Yeah. Um, and then the week of production is just a whole nother story. We're there. Yeah. We're there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from yeah. one o'clock. You know, on Sunday to whenever. Question mark. Yeah, to question mark. I always tell the kids, I'm like, question mark. We'll feed you. We'll make sure you're fed, but don't know what time you're getting home. Oh, that's great. That brings back so many good memories for me, though. I used to love, I mean, there's just nothing like uh, being a part of those rehearsals and and how much fun it is to like to learn and to see it come together. And uh, man, it's just, it brings back so many good memories for me. It's a blast. Yeah, it's a blast. When is your, when is the show? So this year's production is April 13th through 15th. Mm-hmm. We do four shows, one on Thursday, one on Friday, and then we do a matinee um, and then a, a night performance on Saturday. That's great. And is it at the Princess? It's at the Princess Theater in South Pittsburgh. We're about about 90 minutes outside of Nashville um, and about 30 minutes west of Chattanooga. That's great. Cool. So how has um, how's Carrie been doing with this whole process? I know it takes a lot of support. Um, from the family unit to be able to to deal with all this because you're not home a lot in the evenings. I'm I'm guessing with preparation and getting ready. How's she doing with all this? My my wife is volunteer of the year every year. <laughs> um, she tells me nonstop. She's like, when I married you, I didn't know I was signing up for all of this. And I'm like, well, you did, and you're a trooper. Yeah. So, yeah. but she loves the kids. Those kids are her kids also, mm-hmm. and she, I mean, they love her. Uh, it was so funny. Uh, we're actually expecting our first child. Ah, congratulations, and so man. thank That's you so, so much. Exciting. We're really yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, but in our first meeting uh, with the students, we were, we do like a, a Q and a, and I always tell, I call them has-beens and newbies. I'm like, has-beens tell the newbies, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah. And one of our students, he's a senior now, he's been with us for years. And he said, when people give you advice, Take it and and use it. They're not trying to harp on you. They're not trying to be, you know, rude or, you know, they're trying to give you positive criticism. Yeah. And he was like, and as, as the show goes on, he says, the criticism gets more direct, you know, mm-hmm. it starts vague, but then you start nitpicking things. And then he says, and if you guys think Miss Carrie was mean with her being pregnant, she's just going to be off the chain this year. <laughs> so that's her. That's her claim to fame is she's the she's the critical one as it goes on. But the kids love her. She and she loves it, and she really is a trooper. Ah, that's awesome. I so I actually got to meet her after the the book series uh, with our towns with Jim and Deb Fallows, who we've also had on on the podcast yeah. here. And I just remember having so much fun sitting down with you all and thinking what remarkable people you were, um, and going well, away. From that. Yeah. I mean, I just went away from that. And I was like, I want to hang out with them. They just, you know, so it's, Let's it's so, it. it's so cool um, to see you all making such a difference in that community. D- did Carrie grow up on musicals and, and have an interest in music as well? Or is this something that she's sort of evolved as you've been on your journey? Not really. She, um, she's from Chattanooga. So just down the road. Yeah. And um, I mean, she was a softball player, you know, she, she loved music. Music yeah. was always in her family. 
but it wasn't like it wasn't uh, musicals weren't a thing. You know, she wasn't in band or anything like that, but she's always had a love for music. I mean, our favorite pastime is to go to concerts. We go all over the country just to go to concerts. Yeah. And um, so whenever we began dating and we, we began dating and I was right in the middle of an elementary school production and she was like, okay, well, I guess this is, I guess this is what we do with our spare time. <laughs> I was like, it is. And I mean, she's, she's there for every one of them, mm. you know, she, she not only can I call on her, but any of, you know, my co-directors can call on her. The kids can call on her. I mean, she's just, she's our runner. She's our, she does everything. <sighs> That's awesome. So I didn't realize y'all were concert goers as well. What's your favorite concert that y'all have been to? <sighs> Man, so many. Um, I don't know. We love festivals. Yeah. New Orleans Jazz Fest is like our absolute favorite festival we've ever attended. I've but never been. as far as, as far as concerts, anything at Red Rocks, mm. Red Rocks is just the most incredible venue in the world. Um, on our first date, we actually uh, went on a blind date with each other. We didn't know each other. Yeah. And um, we were talking and she was like, what would your dream concert be? And I was like, probably Grace Potter, which is my ultimate favorite. Yeah. It's like Grace Potter at Red Rocks. And I was, that's just general conversation, right? Yeah. And then three months after we were dating, she surprised me with tickets to see Grace Potter at Red Rocks. No way. And I was like, well, I've got to snatch her up. Like, yeah. she's making dreams come true. <laughs> like, so probably oh, Grace Potter awesome. at Red Rocks or Stevie Nicks at Red Rocks was pretty incredible, too. So believe if you believe this, I've never been to Red Rocks. That is on my list. And You've like, gotta do. I've got to go in the next year. I don't know. I just haven't spent a lot of time out West. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, now's the time I've got to get out there and I've got to see some it's shows. An easy commute. You fly into Denver, 30 minute drive. You're there. Yeah. So I'm, it's, I'm, it's great. I'm going to find a time in the next year. So maybe I'll hit you up. You can, you can yeah. along. I love it. Um, so how are you all preparing to be parents? And that's a big, it's a big life transition. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter. She turns six actually in a couple of weeks and a three-year-old cool. son. And it was a big transition for us. Are there any things that you're doing as you're trying to prepare uh, to get ready for being parents? It's it's finally hitting us. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been on this journey for a while. Yeah. We, we went through uh, fertility treatments and yeah. the IVF process, and yeah. we've been really blessed with the whole process. And uh, I think we, you know, we tried for so long. And so now that it's here, we were like gun shy to get excited. And mm-hmm. But now that we're close to like halfway through the, the process, we're like, all right, well, it let's, let's see what life's going to look like, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, we were very fortunate growing up when we were children, our both sets of parents just snatched us up and took us to do everything. Mm. And we hope to be those same kind of parents. You know, we, we know that life will change and life will slow down, but in some ways and speed up in others, That's but right. we, you know, we, we want to, we want our kids to do as we do. We just, we just, you know, we want to find out how we can, adjust our lives to be, to, you know, to give our kids those same experiences that we have for ourselves. Mm, I love that, Wesley. Well, as we're sort of wrapping up here, we talked a little bit about the Adams family production and um, I want to give people a chance to look that up because I'd love for people who are listening, if they're within, I'd say within even a few hours, it's probably worth a hike over to see what you're doing. And I, because I just think it's such an incredible uh, opportunity for people to support um, the youth in that area, for people to support you and the the incredible difference that you're making. So how do people find tickets for the Adams family? 
So they can, we have a Facebook page where Marion County 4-H Performing Arts. Okay. Um, but we also are on Eventbrite. You can purchase tickets on Eventbrite. Um, and so you can search for Adams Family, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, um, and it'll, it'll pull up there. Uh, so those are our two best ways to, to find us. Um, but really tune into our social media. Um, I, I am really proud of our productions. We try to make it a full experience for the audience. And um, I always like to say, don't, don't think you're coming to just a regular high school performance. We're going to try to, we're going to try to woo you a little bit. Um, So yeah, we would, we would love to have people come and, and see our show. And we're, we're just really proud of this project We're the community's proud of it. Um, We're proud of what it's done for some of these kiddos and, and the opportunities it's given them. Yeah. Well, I, I have no hesitation fully recommending that people purchase tickets, make the trip to, um, to South Pittsburgh, to the princess theater and see the show. I, I think it's going to be well worth people's time. I heard great, great feedback on last year's performance. And from what I hear this year is going to be even better. So I'm, I'm really excited to <laughs> this year's going to be fun. I'll, I'll be down there for sure. So sweet. anyone listening, get tickets and, and make the trip over. Wesley, as we wrap up, I've got a couple more questions for you, man. That's cool. All right. Yeah. So um, one that I always ask everyone is, is this for uh, someone who's just starting out on their journey and they, they're not quite sure where their path is yet. What do you recommend that they do to start to find their path and, and find their way to make impact in the world? I'm a firm believer in inner reflection. So don't worry so much about what the world says and don't worry so much about the naysayers. I know that's easier said than done a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but it really is important to reflect on yourself. Like what is your heart's desire? What is your mind's desire? And then really just work on those pieces of, of making you happy Mm -hmm. because if, if if you're not happy, you can't make anyone else truly happy. So like focus on yourself and then, really the pieces will fall in. Mm, I love that. One of, one of my mentors would always say you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think that's part 100%. of it. It's just like, man, if you're always drained because you're doing something that you hate or you're, you're not doing something that you love, at least even in the evenings or in the weekends or sometime, you're not going to be able to have any energy to make an impact in the world. I think that's great. Advice. And that doesn't mean that every day is just rainbows and unicorns. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. there are days where you're like, God, I don't want to go to work yeah. or yeah. man, I just really don't want to have rehearsal today. Yep. Like that happens a lot. Yeah. But reflecting and knowing just like we talked about earlier, you know, maybe, maybe it's writing down that affirmation and sticking on the refrigerator or a sticky note on your desk. I've got sticky notes all up here, but it's, you know, having something to look back on and knowing why you're doing it and you're doing it for a reason, whatever that reason may be, but, you know, seek inside make yourself happy, know what you need. And then if you can, if you can fulfill your needs, then you can help others fulfill theirs. Mm. I think that's something that I can see that you've done really well in your life too, Wesley, just from the the little bit of your story that I've heard, not that you always did it perfectly, but I think it seems like that's something that you've continually moved in the direction of over time is finding something that's more and more fulfilling, more and more in alignment with the impact that you want to make. And so that's kind of where I want to take the the final question here is just, can you share a little bit about the impact that you do hope to make in the world um, through this and through the work that you do, what's meaningful to you? You know, I, one of the biggest things that I try to strive into my students is 
it's not about recognition. It's not about being seen. It's about doing your best, being proud of what you've put out there mm-hmm. and knowing, you know, the 4-H motto is to make the best better. And I truly do believe like we can always be better at whatever mm-hmm. we do. And, but knowing that what you do matters and don't do it for the recognition, but when you get that recognition, stay humble and be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to see these kids know that they're capable of things mm-hmm. coming from a small community, especially with a school system that doesn't have a lot of offerings um, that some of the, the larger surrounding school systems have. Our school system is fantastic, but it does lack some of the offerings that some of our larger neighboring school systems in Hamilton County um, and in Davidson County and Rutherford County, you know, that they're able to offer just for monetary and facility reasons. Yeah. Um, but just those students knowing I can do that too. Um, my, my current favorite success story is last year after we did Oklahoma, we actually had four students that got recognized and were able to travel to New York to the Broadway student summit. And they did a um, three day intensive workshop uh, with wow. Broadway artists um, in, in New York. And so that was really a beautiful experience to see four kids from Jasper, Tennessee who don't even have a ton of art offerings in schools right. be able to go that far and, and get that experience and recognition. So that was, that was great. So my goal is let's just keep that going. Yeah. Get, get those kids, those opportunities that they don't even think that they're worthy of. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. They're always worthy. And, and like, so let them know their worth. That's the impact. I want mm. them to recognize their worth and help them reach it. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's a really meaningful experience. I, I always with my daughter am focusing on the same thing where she's, you know, there's times when she might struggle with a certain thing in school and she's just in kindergarten, right? But she's upset that something didn't go well or that she didn't do perfect on something. I'm somewhat of a perfectionist at times. And I think she probably gets that from me. Um, It's okay though. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of pick up like, even if you don't inherently teach them or you don't feel like you show them something, they kind of inherently just pick up some of your, your struggles. And so I've seen that with her and it's been really interesting for me to be able to parent her through those moments because it's also like reparenting myself in a lot of ways. Like the advice that I'm giving her, I'm like, I wish somebody would have said that to me when I was a kid. Like, Hey, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Like, you know what? It's the effort that I care about. If you're getting up there and you're trying hard and you're being brave and you're taking risks, I don't care if you get an A or an F. I really don't. Like, I want you to to think about the process. I want you to think about the character that you're putting out there in the world. And like, those are the things that as I hear myself say them to her, sometimes like bring me to tears because I'm like, it's, it's like healing to me in some way, which is a really full circle, bizarre experience. It It is. And I, I love that you say that, you know, with, it's almost like re evaluating how you handle it because that affects how she handles it. Yeah. You know, and that's the same way with the kids. I was thinking yeah. about on a specific last year, we, we were, we had had our first performance. It went fantastic. We had reflected on what we could improve on what we couldn't. And then the second day, one of our main characters 
he came down with like the plague, like not even just the flu, like the plague. And he's like, I'm going to be okay. We always, we always joke. We're like, (laughs) if you're going to puke, you're going to puke in a bucket and run back on stage. We'll hold the bucket for you, you know, and bless his heart. He was just not able to. And so we sent him home. And of course I'm like dying inside, freaking Mm -hmm. out. All my co-directors are dying. Miss Carden and Mr. Blevins are just freaking out. And my wife's like, don't freak out. Don't freak Don't let them see you freak out. Yeah. You can yeah. freak out on me, but yeah. don't freak out on them. <laughs> and, you know, but that's the kind of thing you have to think about. It is. And so those those kids were like, we're doomed. It's going to be terrible. And they were able to split up his entire part. None mm. of them ever dropped a line. And wow. no one knew that anyone was missing from the show. They mm. just rolled on through it. And it's so it, it was, you know, if I would have handled that differently, mm-hmm. it probably would have went way differently. Yeah. So now that doesn't mean that I didn't go in the back room and like have a wig out, yeah, but yeah, you know, it happens, <laughs> but yeah, that, that you're right. It's, it's just when we help them recognize their worth, it also makes us again, it makes us look inward and say, all right, where's this coming from? And how can, how can, what can we do to help them? But it also helps us too in the process. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Wesley, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for taking the time to do this today. Thank you so much. And I can't go without saying a huge thank you to Tower Community Bank. Um, Tower Community Bank and Barry Allen, in being specific, mm-hmm. have been some of my greatest, if not my greatest champions since I started teaching in Marion County. Uh, any harebrained idea I've ever had, Tower Community Bank has been right there to help behind it. Uh, and they're, they're the, I mean, the title sponsor for our production mm-hmm. and we, we honestly could not do it without them. And so we just appreciate Tower as an organization and a supporter of not only community, but the arts specifically. Yeah. Well, Wesley, we're thrilled to be able to support you in any way that we can. I know Barry is a, just a tremendous fan of you and has a lot of respect. Um, and I can say that wholeheartedly because he's told me. And uh, so anything that we can do to continue to support you, to support the movement um, with UT Extension and the musicals and everything you're, you're doing, we're, we're 100% behind you. And so I, I want you to know that hopefully we can make this a regular thing. Every year we're talking a little bit more. We're going to share more of a story. We're going to get ready for the next musical and and we're going to be with you as you're you know walking into parenthood and hear these stories as well. So we're excited to support you however we can. Well, thank you so much. All right, Wesley. Well, hey, man, uh, we'll talk soon and good luck as you're preparing for the musical. All right. Thank you so much, Brett. Thank you for having me today. Of course. Bye. And that's a wrap. Huge thanks to Wesley Brewer for being on the show today and for sharing his time, especially as the musical is drawing closer. I hope that if you are within a reasonable drive of South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, that you would consider going Um, it's going to be a phenomenal performance and just a great way to support someone who's making a phenomenal difference to support the kids who are putting in a tremendous amount of effort to make the show, the Adams family phenomenal. I'll be sure to add a link to purchase tickets in the show notes. If you are interested in attending the dates of that show, the Adams family are April 13th through 15th of 2023, and it will be at the princess theater in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. I also want to take a quick minute to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to dive into this conversation today and for listening to this point in the episode. Your support means the world to me. Your support means the world to us here at Tower as we're embarking on this process of building an audience and making great art. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, if you could do me one huge favor, that only takes a few seconds on whatever app that you're listening to, find wherever the review or the star um, is and go ahead and punch that. Hit five stars. Give us some feedback. Leave us a quick review, even if it's just like, enjoyed the show. It means the world to us and it helps in things like show ranking and in other people's ability to find the show when they search. So please take a few minutes if you did enjoy the show and do that. Again, it would mean the world. One last thing as we wrap up, I just want to again thank Tower Community Bank for providing everything to make this show possible. I have really enjoyed making this show in the creative process and it wouldn't be possible without Tower. So if you're enjoying the show as well and you want us to be able to continue doing it, please go to towercommunitybank.com and check us out. Thanks. That is all for today, folks. I hope that you're having a great day wherever this podcast finds you and we'll see you back here next time for another episode of The Impact Code. Bye.